Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast and our Scares and Dares episode where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week and give you the NFL bets that we dare to make. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time and with me as always for our Scares and Dares episode, Senior Staff Writer, Joanne Wong. Hi everyone. How are you doing, Joanne? Good. Alright. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> and no better way to celebrate Easter than to talk about your favorite horror movies and betting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Obviously, let's, well, let's, you know, hey, Easter, so I know you guys got stuff to do, so let's get this thing rolling right now. All right, our scare of the week this week is going to be the 2022 movie Skinamarink, uh, streaming on Shudder and AMC+. And, of course, after we're done with that, we're going to give you the conclusion of our last podcast. We're going to give you our early pre-draft picks for the NFC Division Champs. We gave you our early pre-draft picks for our AFC Division Champs last time, and this time our pre-draft picks for NFC Division Champs. And we'll revisit these again after the NFL Draft, which is just at the end of this month. But before we get to that, Let's talk about our scare of the week. Like I said, the 2022 movie, Skinamarink, streaming on Shudder and AMC+. As per usual, we'll give you a little bit of background on the movie, and then we'll give you our thoughts on it, and then we'll give you our scare meter and, and star rating, and we can go from there. So Skinamarink, like I said, it is uh, 2022. It is actually a very interesting film because it's more of an experience than an actual film. It moves along at one hour and 39 minutes, which sounds brisk, but it's a different type of film, so we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, this was um, directed by and produced by and written by Kyle Edward Ball. And just for those who don't know, Ball actually ran a YouTube channel, it still does, called Bite Sized Nightmares, where viewers would post comments about their nightmares and he would recreate them on video for them. So Skinamarink was actually inspired from these posts. It was kind of these tropes that were recurrent in some of the commonly submitted nightmares, particularly of children. And um, he did a proof of concept in 2020 uh, in a short film called Heck. And, um, and, that, and that, that really screened well. So he made the full-length movie here, um, which we're going to tell you a little bit about, and then we'll tell you a little bit about our thoughts. So first of all, in, um, in 1995, in the movie, four-year-old Kevin injures himself in what his six-year-old sister Kaylee says is a sleepwalking episode. Kevin is then taken to a hospital and brought back home. We don't see any of that. That just happens. The father then calls in the background someone and tells them that the hospital didn't need to give, uh, need, need to give stitches and that um, Kevin had only hit his head. Sometime later, of course, the kids go to sleep and they wake up and both siblings wake up in the middle of the night to find out that their father has seemingly disappeared and that slowly the windows, doors, and other objects in the house are gradually, gradually vanishing as well. So I'm going to stop there because there's not much more you can say about it without really giving away what's happening here. And of course, there is a lot to talk about here. But like I said, it's more of an experience than an actual movie, but that's the setup, okay? The four-year-old and a six-year-old sister in a house by themselves, their father mysteriously disappearing, and of course, little parts of the house, parts of the house just kind of disappearing and morphing throughout the movie. So 
before we get into our theories here, and, and we'll, we'll warn you before we start getting to our theories because uh, we don't want to spoil it for anybody because part of it is actually interpreting it yourself, or you can listen to our thoughts on interpretation and see what you think because, quite frankly, like I said, it is an experience more than a movie. What did you think of this movie? In, this movie was actually interesting because when we watched it, we watched it like it was going to be a movie. Like a regular movie. Yeah, like any regular horror movie. Right. Uh, but, like, afterwards and after we discussed it, we realized that, like, it is not your average horror movie. No, not at all. And, you know, when you describe it as an experience, I think that's the right way to describe it because... You know, that synapsis is basically all you need because there is no real, I guess, like story or theme or anything to this movie. Right. There's no clear narrative yeah. that's actually moving the story forward. And as we learned from The Office, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> having no narrative is actually unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what made it interesting. And um, and I am the first to admit, like, when you watch this movie, you, and, and unlike other movies, you really can't do anything else. And probably most people who watch movies might not, but yeah. this isn't like, you know, Murder Mystery or Murder Mystery 2. Yeah. Where, <laughs> well, certainly not where, that. Certainly where not you that. could go and you could do two other things and still catch the plot of it. That's right. This is something where you have to really sit and kind of focus on the movie itself to kind of really, I think, understand and get the atmosphere of it. It's, it's not that. Um, I think we even said it. It just it feels you get you feel a little lost mm-hmm. and it, it i i don't think it does the director much justice right yeah. right because keep in mind um that the inspiration as i said were nightmares right the real life nightmares mm-hmm. he's collected them and he's kind of a stat he kind of determined kind of the similarities across the nightmares the tropes that we see coming up over and over again in nightmares and particularly in children's nightmares and what he's done is compiled it into one movie and i'm using air quotes here you can't see it but he compiled all those into one movie so he basically recreated an amalgam of all the worst possible things that people have as nightmares particularly as children and made it like one hour and 39 minute nightmare yeah but of course like in a nightmare you can't look away right when you're in a nightmare you can't check your phone you can't surf a web yeah you can't walk out and get a snack so none of those things are possible you can't eat popcorn Uh you know none of those things are possible so so if you want to really experience this the way the uh, uh, director, writer, producer intended it, you have to actually kind of really kind of watch it in a darkened room with headphones or with surround sound and without like any side distraction. Yeah, I think he almost tried to make it, um, he wanted it to be an immersive experience yeah, right. for the viewer. Right. And you don't see that in a lot of horror movies, no. right? It, like splasher films are slasher films, yeah. right? It's gore. I mean, a lot of things have, an actual kind of theme or story that you could fall upon. And this really isn't that kind of horror movie. That's right. They rely on either story or characters or imagery to incite some sort of horror. Here, it is a feeling. It's It's a a feeling. It's also, and he creates that with imagery. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, but it's interesting, though, because it's almost like he's creating it with lack of imagery. It's like he's making you, because because the image itself is not scary. But if you look at it, and in the context of experiencing this, it just feels unsettling. Well, if, if you're a young child, you probably wouldn't want to watch this or, <laughs> yeah. or let your children or any, watch or this. Or actually anything really? that we reviewed. I mean... You probably shouldn't want to watch any of these things if you're a young child, I would guess. 
Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. Because this is definitely an amalgamation of, of those things. So, and, and this film was filmed, uh, so this it takes place in 1995, and it was filmed grainy intentionally, like VHS tape, yes. in order to match the 1995 Your TV is okay. Yeah, your TV is fine. It, and it looks grainy. It looks really muddy. You can't really make out things. That's intentional. And there are a lot of long static shots of things purposely done so that you will start to see things that well, aren't really there. Well, or not. Maybe or not, yeah. Or, or he does put something there in order to show you, uh, you know, and then you have to question whether it is something or not. Yes. Um, I think that's one of the problems I had a little with this movie is the, is the sub, I thought like some of the static shots were too long. Mm-hmm. And I know you said it was purposeful. purposeful. Which I understand that, right. but you know, I thought it was a little too long, as well as some repetitive things that happened throughout the movie. And a lot of it was repetitive, no doubt. And, of course, there were a lot of intentionally low-lit, everything was intentionally low-lit. Yes, and a lot of dark rays. Right. The, the light sources were basically coming from objects, like TVs mm-hmm. and things like that. Not yes. no, no necessarily flashlights or, or even, um, you know, any type of light bulbs or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. more just things that gave off light. So it was very, it really... Focus your vision on certain things, and it really gave you very little peripheral vision. So you could see, you couldn't see things on the side, and a lot of things appeared to happen off screen. So it was really hard, you know. So you had a lot of it was imagination, right? And yes. I think what that's what the director was counting on was making your imagination run away with it, um, as someone would in a nightmare, as a child would in a nightmare, or a child would in this particular scenario, mm-hmm. which was nightmarish for the child. Uh, anyway, the other thing that he did was he used subtitles and he used them intermittently, sometimes intentionally when it was hard to understand and sometimes not. Sometimes he would intentionally remove the subtitles so that or exclude subtitles so that you would just have to like listen hard to try and make out what was being said. Right. But yeah, some of the dialogue is garbled and I think and we said he did it uh, intentionally. intentionally. Right. And um, yeah, that was also, I, I get where he was going with that, but at the same time, yeah, I had a little bit of issue with that as well. Yeah. Well, because I, I remember, I kept what did he say? Right. What right. did he say? Uh, you know? So I was just like, when you have to focus so much for me on like what is actually being said, you got, you kind of get lost like from the story of it because um, at that point, it doesn't so much become so, I guess, like scary, but more like, oh, that's annoying. Like, <laughs> I don't understand what he's saying. Well, and, and you know, this was divisive in many ways. Like, this was a very split response. So initially, it was screened in uh, Montreal. And after that, it got by word of mouth, like uh, a lot of anticipation built by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And people really wanted to see it. So it was leaked. It was almost like illegal, right? So they leaked it. And all these sites and everything and became like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to watch Skin and that kind of illegal horror movie. So it built kind of like the Blair Witch Project in that it was word of mouth that kind of built this kind of anticipation for it. And people were kind of uh, primed to be scared, right? They're primed to be scared. Which I think is a big mistake. Like yeah. whenever you're primed to be scared, I feel like you're not as scared because right. you're like, well, that's it. Yeah, right. Anyway, so, and then, of course, the freaky old cartoons they used. I thought that was particularly, free. that was probably the scariest thing for me. The cartoons on the television in the background um, included um, some uh, cartoons from the 1930s, and they're all uh, public domain now. They're off copyright, and that's why I use them. But the fact that they were black and white and had that weird old music, and there was nothing else going on, it made it extra creepy in my, in my mind. Okay, so if you guys don't want to hear our thoughts on what we think it's about, uh, go ahead and fast forward about five minutes. So real quick, I'm going to spend five minutes talking about 
our interpretation of it. And I think we kind of landed on three things. Either A, it was a horrifying nightmare for a child. B, it was sleepwalking by the child, because I didn't mention at the beginning that he had a, hit his head from a sleepwalking incident. Or three, uh, someone's dying. <laughs> He's dying. He's dying, yeah. right, right. And I think those are the three things that landed on. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we discussed this, and they, and one of the things that the director does is he prefaces it with that phone call that you had mentioned in the beginning, right. how they say that he was a sleepwalker and right. he had hurt himself from a fall. Right. So that kind of puts us in the three categories that, you know, we fell into. Mm-hmm. Because before that, we were, like, going off the rails yeah. and being, you know, like, was, sky's the limit. Guys dissecting it like nobody's business. Yes. Right? Made but, up all sorts of storylines. Yes. But if you think about where the story begins, those other theories that we came up with just didn't hold any salt. Right, so, right, right. Um, so, you know, I think I'm in the – I, I want to say I'm in the line of him dying. Okay. Um, that's where I want to fall. So he hit his head and he actually is dying. Right. right. Because he's, you hear him say, you hear him say that he hit his head, he got stitches, but they send him home. He's okay. But you know, now we know that there's so much brain trauma that you don't really know what's going on. It could happen later. And yeah. how much, how much, how hard did he hit his head? He needed stitches. We don't know. He's a young child. Like your skull is still soft. We don't, you know, we're going to assume that, yes, he did get a, a CAT scan? I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe he didn't get a CAT scan. Maybe we don't know. Right. Right, right. Like he could have had some internal bleeding. Or, 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 or hey, we don't even know if he got to the hospital. Right. I mean, like, like this could all be just his imagination. Right. And he knows that he should go to the hospital and, if he has an accident. And that's what we're saying. We don't like that phone call could have been made up in his head. Yep. He could still be at the hospital. Yep. Yep. Um, he could be in a hospital bed dying as we speak, and this is what he's kind of made up. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know. We don't know what's going on except for this small tidbit of information. Right. And I, I am actually, um, I in the camp of it's just, he's sleepwalking because you. I mean, you, and I won't give away the scenes at the end or why I think that, but I feel like this is his view of sleepwalking because he's in an in, intimate, um, uh, familiar, intimately familiar place, his home, the whole time, and yet he can't get out of it and things are changing and morphing, which is like it happens in dreams. Right? Yes, we, that's what we said. Because one thing your uh, mind does is it protects you. Right. So in your sleeping and you're dreaming that you have to go to the bathroom, but you cannot find a working toilet. Right, so you God. don't. So, so in bed. Exactly. So, so they, they, and as you know, from the very beginning, um, things start vanishing, such as doors and windows. And in some ways, it could be your mind, his mind protecting him from walking outside. Right. To make sure that he doesn't walk outside. Right. So, yes. So that's why we came up with that possibility. And you liked that better. I liked that one better. I liked the dying one better. That was definitely yeah. much more depressing. <laughs> uh, so that being said, let's go ahead and get back into it now. No more spoiler alerts here. Uh, we're done with the spoiler part of it. Let's go to the scare. Uh, let's go. What did you like most in the light least of the movie? The thing I liked most about the movie was the vantage point okay. and the cartoons that you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. I thought the cartoons, because the cartoon, the TV is the one clear shot we had throughout the entire movie, whereas everything else was kind of cut off screen by the vantage point. So right. um, I thought that added a lot to. Um, just the environment, like creating the setting, because you have a very old timey move uh, cartoon where it doesn't like the the animals don't the the characters don't really speak or say anything, and you have like this very weird cartoony music constantly playing in the background, right. and the only vantage point you have is, is this very low vantage point of like what a 
a child might see. Yeah, and I think intentionally so. Yes, very intentional. And so I think, you know, the, the I guess the juxtaposition mm-hmm. of seeing the entire cartoon compared to seeing the entire screen of like the setting of what's going on. Right. You see like, low level. Like, you see low, but right. there's too many things that you don't see what's happening. Right. Right. As like, a kid wouldn't see. Right. As a kid wouldn't see, but you don't see to the left, the right. You don't see on top. I mean, you just see very low level stuff, which I thought created a lot of atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. And what did you like least about the movie? The least, uh, and I mentioned this before, I thought it was a little too long. Right. Okay. I mean, it really could have been cut down, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I understand where the director was trying to go. I, you know, and this is just my opinion, but like sometimes, you know, when things are a little too extended, you feel like, you know, you lose interest and then that becomes another issue. Right. Because we aren't actually stuck in a dream. We could actually walk out of the room. Yeah. In which case that ruins the entire thing. Right. And when you have like a five minute still shot, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And (laughs) you know, you come back and still there. Right. Seriously. And and if you guys, and anybody watches this, do not pause the movie. (laughs) Because that obviously will absolutely ruin the atmosphere. So I, I will agree with you. What I like most about it was the cinematography. I thought they did a great job. And of course, the uh, sound editing, I thought was magnificent. I know, you really liked it. I really the liked the way that the sound, they even had the weird staticky sound in there as if it was like really old videotape. And the uh, and the thing I like least, obviously, is the runtime as well. I think they could have done a lot the same with a little bit less time. Yeah. Uh, and, and that would have been, would have not taken away at all. I don't think so either. And I movie. think it would have captivated the viewers more because there wouldn't have been so much repetitiveness and these long still shots. You could have had like just one really long still shot to make your point. Right. You didn't need so many of them. Yeah. Or still shots could have been a little bit uh, shorter. I know that yeah. he, he had, the director had actually inte- had intended it and said that sometimes you look at dark corners of the house and you think you imagine you see things and right. he wanted to kind of induce that. And I get that because right. your mind does like tend to you. fill, yeah. you know, void spaces, right. but at the same time, you're just like, it's just too long. All right. So give us your scare meter on this. Uh, zero to 10, zero, uh, 10 being, oh my goodness, I pooped my pants and zero being, I just watched something on Disney. Um, You know, I'm going to give this one a four. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I am going to give it a five. I think there was a significant amount of tension and very unsettling sound design. Um, Of course, the lack of clear narrative also made you think. But for those watching it in the wrong environment and not paying attention, this could be a scare meter of negative one. (laughs) You have full lights on and you're checking your email the whole time. And you're on your computer or have a lot of distractions. Or you're talking to people over it. It is not going to have the same impact at all. You wouldn't wouldn't think it's very scary. You're going to be bored. Yes. I agree. You're you would think be... it's you would just be questioning what is going on. And why am I watching this? And why is am I watching this? a joke? This? You yeah. might even think it's a joke. Yeah. Anyway, so, all right. So uh, going to the um, tomato meter out of 116 reviews, got a 71% from critics. And the audience score, it had only a 44%. But again, mm-hmm. I think it's because it's not really a movie. Yeah. It is an experience. And it can be absolutely zilcho if you're mm-hmm. watching it in the wrong environment. Um, so critics' consensus is Skinnamarink can be more confounding than frightening, but for viewers able or willing to dial into its unique wavelength, this unsettling film will be difficult to shake. But audience score, uh, audience say, for some it might be scary, but for a lot of viewers, Skinnamarink is just frighteningly dull. So mm-hmm. there you go. It just gets, yeah. you know, it depends on how you look at it. And of course, let's go to our star rating, uh, zero to four, four being the best, zero being the worst. What do you give it? You know, it's interesting because I think right after we watched it, the, um, I would have given this movie like a two, mm-hmm. two and a half, yeah. you know, 
And this is one of those movies where you watch it and you have like hour long discussions yes, about my kind. Yes, <laughs> movies that you love to do. Right. And I think you need to be in the right setting to watch this movie. You need to be the right individual to right. be in this. I mean, if you have a short attention span, this is not the movie for it's you. It's not going to work it's, for you. It's, it's not. I mean, because it just takes a lot of focus. Right. So I think I want to give this movie a 2.5. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a little, I, gave, I gave it a 2 because of the fact that it is so dependent on how you watch it. And yeah. that's, that's a little bit of a failing of the film because they're relying on your, your, your own atmosphere, right? Yeah. Your room and your ability to watch it with surround and all mm-hmm. this stuff or with the headphones or whatever. And so I gave it a two. I enjoyed it. Thought heavy on atmosphere, a little bit too long, uh, too mm-hmm. many long static shots, yes. as you said, but I thought I loved the idea. And I thought it really, and that's why I gave it a 2.5 because I really like, you know, um, I was in between the two, but like when you, discuss it and kind of get into the movie and you're totally right i mean a movie should be a movie like the fact that you have to set all these stipulations to really take this movie in is very difficult for much viewers that's right i mean you just can't do that but the after conversation that you have coming up with the theories and what's really going on It's, it's interesting and really like i just think like the um how the entire movie was shot I think was the most interesting part of it. Absolutely. Imagery was great. Of course. So we have that, that was Skinamarink, the 2022 horror movie uh, that you can find streaming on Shudder and AMC+. Plus. All right. With that said, let's turn our attention to the next part of our show and hit the boxing bell on that. And let's turn now to the NFL bets that we dare to make for early pre-draft NFC division champions in the 2023 season. Uh, let's start with the NFC West. Uh, just so everyone knows, the San Francisco 49ers are currently leading the odds at minus 170, followed by the Seattle Seahawks at plus 300, Los Angeles Rams at plus 500, and the Arizona Cardinals at plus 2,400. Wow. Okay. So who do you have as your NFC West winner, uh, or bet, I should say, because it's not necessarily the winner, but with the odds as well. What's your NFC West bet? Um, I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers. All right. The odds on favorite. Yeah, the odds on favorite. And I think most of my picks are probably on odds on favorites for this division. Um, you know, the San Francisco 49ers have a, really built a solid offense um, this, you know, this past season. They got, you know, Christian McCaffrey. They still have Debo Samuels, you know, George Kittle, all really high players. And now they have, you know, potentially uh, a really good quarterback from what we saw um, uh, at the end of last season with uh, Brock Purdy. Yes, that's true. Um, so, and they have Trey Lance that's coming back from injury as well. Yeah, so, so obviously... I mean, we don't know. There's a lot of moving parts as with every NFL team yep. because, you know, they're not, they didn't finish up their roster. You still got the draft. You know, you still got other, you know, moving parts going on. But, like, you know, looking at all the teams, you know, that are there, I, I got to sit with San Francisco because um, – just, just for the fact that, you know, they really, you know, I, I, I just thought they did a really good job. Of I mean, course. like, they suffered from so much injury last season. And, and, and they, found a, uh, they found a diamond in the rough they in did. Brock Purdy. I, I mean, if, if that did not happen, Brock Purdy probably would have never gotten a chance. Yeah. Absolutely, Never. absolutely. Yeah. He would be lucky to be in the practice squad somewhere. Yes. So that that was a you know simply simply amazing find for them, and they worked seamlessly with him. But then, as you mentioned, of course, they still have superstars on the field. Yes, with and him. and it's so. and it's it's 
Uh, for the 49ers, like, they don't have any draft picks until the third round. Oh, so, geez. yeah. <laughs> but they got a great defense already. And, they and, and of course, they, they managed to uh, – I think they managed to pick up uh, another uh, – Javon Hargrave or somebody from um, the Eagles. So, you know, I think there's some room, there's room there that they don't really need draft picks. Well, I, the one of the things that, you know, I think um, – was noted was the success the 49ers have had uh, with their late round draft picks. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, they were saying that, you know, they don't necessarily need early draft picks because, you know, they've been so successful with the back half of the draft. And I, and, you know, like for, you know, the 49ers with their draft picks, yeah, they do have a great defense, but they really need to create some depth with them. Yeah. So their draft picks will probably go to like getting someone to help Bosa, you know, and someone, you know, for the, you know, linebacker position. I mean, they, they have holes that they need to fix, but all in all, I think they could still be successful. Yeah. I I have no doubt they can be, but at minus 170, I'm not a fan of the payout. I know you're not a fan of the payout, but it's still a payout. Well, I am going to go with the Seattle Seahawks at plus 300. So my NFC West can't. Ever picked the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. I know, I know. You, but but the Seattle Seahawks at plus three hundred is the guy is a team that I'm willing to put money on. They re-signed Geno Smith after his resurgence as the most accurate quarterback on, in the league last season. And there's nothing that he did last season that I don't think is sustainable this season, especially with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett still with the team. And that being said, you know the Seahawks still had to address their defense and offensive line. And they did that in free agency. They got Bobby Wagner back. They got Draymond Jones, defensive end. Julian Love, the safety out of New York Giants. Jaron Reed, uh, Devin Bush. They definitely really stacked up on defense in free agency. And then on offensive line, they got Evan Brown, the center, and Phil Haynes, the guard, in order to give a little more protection for Geno Smith. I mean, I just don't see anything that's changed here for them. And on top of that, they have the fifth overall pick in the draft, which they got from trading away Russell Wilson. Uh, last year and and the, you know I think that they will use that in order to shore up their line as well so I think they're plus 300 that is a great payout for a team that I think has a chance to come away with the championship I mean obviously the 49ers probably are the odds on favorite uh, but the minus 170 I just didn't like the pay uh, the play the payout and of course the 49ers they do have the better defense at the end of the day uh, but quite frankly I think both teams have uh, as good a chance a winning division uh, with what they have. So I'm going to take the Seahawks at plus 300 for the NFC West. The funny thing about the Seahawks, though, and their, uh, you know, is that in their payout is, you know, the 49ers payout could be worse. It could be a negative, right? Like, you're like, I mean, it's it's positive 170. It's negative 170. Is it negative one seventy? Yeah, yeah, right. So, oh. So, so, but that being said, like it, it could, it, it can be worse. It can be worse. But it'd be really that, hard. Yes. It'd be really hard to be worse. Uh, <laughs> it can be worse. That's my bad. Yeah, I don't know why it's all positive one seventy. Well, you know, so that that being said, either way, the San Francisco 49ers are the odds-on favorite to win it all. But I think the Eagles, I mean, the Seahawks, Seahawks have the better win uh, potential. You know, that is the only negative. Um, in the entire in, in the entire uh, NFC. Yeah, there there is no other team that has a negative pay, has a negative money yeah, line. Yeah, yeah negative, negative money, money line. line. Yeah, that's true. That's the only one. I'm still gonna go with the 49ers. Okay, and the I, payout and is I still don't, a payout. I don't disagree with you. They are the odds-on favorite to win. All right, let's turn on to the NFC East. Who do you have for the NFC East? 
Uh, the NFC East, I ha- went with the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. This so I really struggled with. Right. And, and and just so everyone knows, the Philadelphia Eagles are the odds-on favorite again yes. at plus 110. Plus 110. Yes, Dallas Cowboys are plus 170. Giants at plus 550. And yeah. the Washington Commanders at plus 950. I was really tempted to um, go with the Giants mm-hmm. uh, on this one because of the, uh, the payout. Yes, because of the payout. Uh, but... You know, I'm just, like, really concerned with the Giants. I mean, I, you know, they signed uh, Daniel Jones to a really big contract. Right. And it's more, more a, uh, a testament to the state of the market than the state of Daniel Jones. So, you know, I mean, either way, uh, I agree. There is some question marks there. Yeah, like, but I, I went with Philadelphia there. Their offense is, is still their offense. There hasn't been Especially a lot of moves. Yep. Their defense did have a lot of movement, though, so that is a, is a little concerning. Sure. Because it like their offense was was good, but like their defense was really well, the great. number one yeah. in the NFL. I mean, the, they were the best in the NFL, no doubt. Um, but then again, like I said, they lost Javon Hargrave, their their top defender, to the 49ers, who yes. <laughs> the number two yes. defense in the NFL. Yes. So. I mean, is but it is, but you're getting plus one ten, so it's not yeah. a horrible bet, uh, I think. At the end of the day, um, I kind of you know I'm gonna I was influxing I was kind of going back and forth here, but I'm gonna go with the Cowboys in this mm-hmm. one at plus one seventy. Who are you I mean, going back and forth with? The well, Eagles, the, the Eagles, the Cowboys. Really? Yeah, I just don't oh. feel like the Giants or the Commanders have a shot here. You know, the, I just don't think they do. The Giants have a lot of good pieces, and but my concern is if Saquon Barkley were to go down. Well, that's the end of it. That's the end of it. I right. mean, because. Dan, like Daniel Jones can't do it on his own, and his success was really due to Saquon Barkley last year. Right, right. And I think that uh, that was a major issue for me and the Giants, even though they had the plus 550, which was yeah. something I was very attractive. Um, with the Cowboys, I have them at plus 170. They still have Dak Prescott. They still have CeeDee Lamb. They still have Trayvon Diggs, the cornerback, and Tyler Baez and as their center. They uh, re-signed Lightenbacker. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch and safety Donovan Wilson. They tagged Tony Pollard. They finally released over the hill Zeke Elliott. They traded for Brandon Cooks in order to pair there uh, with um, with C.D. Lamb. They traded for Stephon Gilmore, giving them more uh, more cornerback pr- uh, protection there. So they, he's going to be there paired with um, uh, with uh, Tav- Trayvon Diggs. And they finally addressed their defense by signing Jonathan Hankins uh, and Dante Fowler Jr. And even got just Jack Prescott uh, some help on the offensive line with Chuma Adoga. So, you know, the Eagles definitely had the best defense in the NFL. Uh, they did lose defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, as I mentioned, to the 49ers. They I mean, also they lost, lost, they lost a linebacker yeah. T.J. Edwards to the Bears. And White. And White, yeah. They yeah. lost a bunch of people there. And, and, don't and they forget, lost their free safety. Yeah. Steps. I mean, like, just a lot of people are well, gone. That's so. what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. So don't forget, the Cowboys were essentially one win away from taking the division last year when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, and that's what Dak Prescott injured for several games at the beginning of the season. So I think the Cowboys have a better than decent chance to take the division this season, and I love getting the bump and payout from plus 170 to plus, from plus, to plus 170 from plus 110 okay. that I get the Eagles. But, I have, but I'm going to go with the side that the, the Eagles have a better offense. I think they probably true. They do. have a better yeah. offense, and the Eagles can build their defense back up with the draft. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have younger players. I mean, you, you younger players, you have a good selection. And they hoarded draft picks in, because they thought they were going to draft a quarterback this year, yeah. and they don't have to. 
So it's so, all kind of gravy for them. So they do lose a lot of valuable pieces, but it's not something that they, you know, will totally put them in the in the dumpster because they could build those positions back up. I, I, I agree with that. And also, this is Jalen Hurts' like final year before they have to renegotiate contracts. It's a, so it's a win, it win is. now. That's what I'm right? saying. It is a win now season. <laughs> well, they that, well they're gonna have to see what they're gonna have to do because they're gonna have to sign them to a big contract. Yes, huge. Them, and, they, yes. and they're not gonna let them go. And because, like, since he started for the Eagles, he is, the Eagles have gotten better and better and better. But interestingly, so, though, his first season was kind of a wash. The second season, people were already talking about moving on. That's why yes, they traded. I know, which we were like, really? Yeah, like, well, yeah. And then now we've seen what he's done in the third season, and um, it has been uh, really, really good. Yeah. So let's hit the boxing bell on that one. Uh, and let's move on to the NFC North. And just so everyone knows, NFC North, the odds on favorite, this is kind of interesting, but the Detroit Lions at plus 130. Minnesota Vikings next at plus 310. The Chicago Bears at plus 320. And the Green Bay Packers, gotta love it, mm-hmm. bringing up the rear at plus 410. Yeah. I guess everyone is assuming that uh, that Aaron Rodgers is moving on. So who do you have here in NFC North? So, um, I think I picked them before, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, at the end of the season, but I'm gonna still stick with the Detroit Lions. Yep. The Detroit Lions have like two first round picks, Six and eighteen, and then they have two second round picks. Yeah. But in total, they have eight picks this year. Yep. And you know, like it's so interesting. I'm very interested to see what they're gonna do with these picks because you know they they already had their um quarterback Jared Goff, right? Right, right. But like realistically, is he really the guy that's gonna take you to the promised land? Well, I really don't think so. That's my question. Though. I really don't think so. And and at six, you could potentially get a good quarterback this this uh draft season right it's possible that one know. Of the, that that you know anthony richardson is there or will levis is there yeah um, so for I, sure. so there is a potential that you could get someone to really round out your team because i just don't know if jerry goff's the answer for them well he did uh, perform very well last year in the second half of the season i mean they exceeded all expectations on offense last season the problem they had was defense yeah. Uh, their defense was absolutely disaster. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like they have a they have a good receiving core, right? Their running backs are fairly strong, right? Yes. With yep. Swift, and then you said uh, uh, David Montgomery has now joined them. That's right. That's so, right. I mean, you have a lot of good things, and you're right. Like their secondary really needs a bump up, and you know. That's what I'm very interested to see what they do with the draft. Are they going to really like build up their defense, which in the second half of the season did a really good job. Well, but, better job, let's say. Well, better job. Right. Yeah. I mean, their they offense did a better carried job. them. Carried I mean, them uh, yes, their offense did carry them. And yes, they did finish last in the league, but I mean, they did a great job. They like kept the Packers well, out that, of the postseason. They, they clearly so, just outplayed them. Yeah. They wanted it more for yeah, sure. They definitely did. Um, so yeah, I, and I don't hate the Detroit Lions. In fact, I think that is a that's not a bad bet. I think the Detroit Lions had a lot of momentum from last season and can definitely win. But at plus one thirty, I'd rather take a little bit of higher payout and go with the Chicago Bears. And I'll admit two things here. First of all, the NFC North is no longer a force to be reckoned with. Aaron Rodgers presumably leaving to the Packers to join the Jets. Uh, I will also admit that I am biased because I'm a Bears fan. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that the Lions renaissance at the end of the last season is for real, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're not quite there yet. And, of course, 
you mentioned it. My concern is Jared Goff behind center. I just don't know if he's a long-term solution there and if he will perform the same because we've seen a lot of bad performances. Yeah, I mean, he's been Goff a roller coaster. Well. And, of course, the Vikings, they had all the potential in the world. Every year they're up there, but for some reason they keep losing pieces and getting worse and worse, and Kirk Cousins continues to prove that he wasn't worth all that guaranteed money mm-hmm. they paid him years ago. So, you know, I just – you know, when you look at it, I think it's a horse race here. I agree. I, I don't think you really know who is going to be on top. And right. like the Bears have made a lot of interesting moves that really could project, you know, trajectory right towards the top. I agree. And, that, and that's why I say, why not the Bears? They they were the worst team last season. I understand that. But they've come a long way in the offseason, as you mentioned. They, uh, they signed... Uh, first of all, they traded away their first overall pick, which I thought was brilliant, to get the ninth overall pick and a second round pick this year. And a future first and second round pick, plus on top of that, all-pro wide receiver D.J. Moore. I know, so, you like that. I love that. And then they also signed tight end Robert Tanyan away from the Green Bay Packers <laughs> to uh, pair with Cole Komet. And on defense, they signed all-pro Tremaine Edmonds, the massive, massive all-pro linebacker out of, out of Buffalo. And then they got T.J. Edwards from the Eagles. They got Demarcus Walker. They got Andrew Billings. They really, really went all in on, on getting uh, help on defense. And on the offensive line, they signed Nate Davis to help Justin Fields avoid repeating the league high 55 sacks in 2022. Yeah. I expect the Bears to continue building on the offensive line in the draft of all these picks they've now accumulated. Yeah, and, me too. And now just, you know, I, the way I see it, it's Justin Fields throwing to DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, and Robert Tanyan behind an improved offensive line in a thoroughly revamped defense led by Tremaine Edmonds on the other side. Um, in a highly questionable wide open MC North, I'd say give me the plus – 320 I'll take that in yeah. terms of payout I mean I I agree like that is uh I mean like the Bears look really good and I I think it is going to be just a, a just a race to the top with them and mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be very close between you know the teams yep. outside of Green Bay Packer yes well I mean <laughs> it, it depends on what happens to the Packers it does it does depend on what happens yeah, everything to the Packers. may fall through and then Aaron Rodgers makes up with them and we're all sitting here but, I mean, like, even, even if Aaron Rodgers remains with the Packers, I don't see them going anywhere. They're, they have been slowly, slowly destroying themselves. I mean, right. the, for some reason, like, just the team has just been crumbling. I don't know what it is. Well, it's certainly they're not keeping their quarterback happy, and that's not a good thing. And he is a, he is a total, uh, like, you know, drama queen. Egomaniac. But, uh, yeah, egomaniac, that's the drama queen. But all those things being, you know, they still, they didn't give him much help. So. No, they did it, and and for what it is, but like Aaron Rodgers is kind of getting up there in age. I mean, everyone says, and they said this about Tom Brady, like you can't you can't beat him because he has the experience, he has the arm, he has the know how. That's all true, but sometimes you know your body just can't check what your mind wants you to do. So. Yes, this is true. So we can't. That's true. So let's go on to the last division here at the NFC South. Uh, and I think we both agree on this one because the NFC South, and I think our, our reasoning is probably very similar uh, because we have the Buccaneers at plus 500. Yeah. We both have the Buccaneers at plus 500. I think this one is just like, I don't really know, you know, who is going to take it. I mean, the, like, I was hoping like the Panthers, but when you look at their roster, who do they have? Right. Just... Well, they traded away DJ Moore and they're going to go over obviously with a quarterback, one of which is, is going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Yeah. You really want I mean, to throw they have him in the number one away. pick, but like it's a, it's a building year. It's going to be a building year. See what they could, who they could get, yes. what they could build. And right. then they'll go into it next year as well. Okay. So I, I, it's hard to think that the Panthers could land on top in this one. And I don't know. I, I have to say like from all the teams, I just want to see Baker Mayfield 
succeed. Just succeed. Yeah, I mean, of course. So, and that being said, just so everyone knows, the New Orleans Saints are the odds-on favorite yeah. to win the NFC South at plus one fifteen, followed by the Carolina Panthers at plus two eighty, and the Atlanta Falcons at plus three eighty, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus five hundred. And that's why I think we've come come to this point of picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is because, quite frankly, it's wide open. I think the NFC South just generally sucks. And any one of those four teams in the division can take it next season. So I'm just taking the team that gives me the highest payout, and that's the Buccaneers at plus 500. And I'm going to take the team with the quarterback I like the most. That Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. And, you know, so, so keep in mind that there's, there's, no, there's no Tom Brady, right? We know that. But uh, he was fading away fast last year anyway. And on offense, the Bucks still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Russell Gage to throw to. And, they, and as you mentioned, they signed Baker Mayfield. So, quite frankly, that's, this might be the best offensive situation that Baker Mayfield has ever walked into. Yes. You know, and he has a lot of time to actually study that playbook yes. and practice with the receivers. Unlike on the, the plane yes. on the way to L.A. Yep. for the Rams. So, mm-hmm. you know, that there is Although potential. that worked for him, too. That worked out great for him. On defense, they re-signed um, Levante David, Anthony Nelson, Jamal Dean, among others. They have the talent, you know, and at least. Uh, and and we, I know for a fact that at least the Panthers and Falcons are in a complete rebuild. So, you know, I just don't think that Derek Carr makes the Saints that much better than anybody at this point. Yeah, you know, and I think that's very interesting, Derek Carr going in there, because we've always said it. You have if you put a player into the right position, it could they could really excel. Right. So, I mean. What we said about, you know, the North, I think we could say about the South, and it really is a race to the top. Yeah, so it's a horse race here, and just give me the one that gives me the best payout, which brings us to the end of the show, and I will going to hit the air horn on the show here, and that's all the time we have. So we did we did manage a little, a little extra time today, a little overtime. We did a little <laughs> overtime for everybody to make sure we got all our picks in. I'm sure things are going to change after the draft, but if you want to put in your picks now, Hey, take advantage of those payouts and uh, yeah. get a little daring. Yeah. I think I was a little daring this week. I think yours were a little daring. Mine were a little less daring. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> then, the opposite. usually opposite. Usually the opposite. The opposite yeah. All right, Joanne, give us your social media so people can follow you. It's at Conclu for you at Twitter. All right, and be sure to give her a follow and let her know what you think of her pick as you kind of go along. And if you want to engage in some of those, and she will let you know how she feels about you, which is... Uh, she doesn't care what you say. That's a, <laughs> but hey, that being said, as usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. You can find me at FB Garbage Time on Twitter or at the Football Garbage Time page on Facebook. We'll be back next time with more picks in the upcoming season, probably after the draft. But until then, watch those horror movie scares, make those NFL bet dares, and enjoy your NFL week. Good luck, everyone. <laughs>